The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. If you don't hear a fiddle or a steel guitar, a hillbilly singing by the honky-tonk bar, the bass ain't banging and the vocals are rough, brother, it ain't country, no. Welcome to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies. I am the host, otherwise known as the North Dakota Nomad, sometimes called the Shale Play Prophet. We are broadcasting from the Hatch Coaching Studios. The Hatch Coaching Studios. There's an I-N-G at the end of that, not an I-N apostrophe like came out of my mouth. Our entitled intern, Provolone, is manning the production elements of the podcast here in the Hatch Coaching studios as we bring you the voice of the voiceless the crude life podcast here the voice of the voiceless someone called it a few weeks ago and i like that a lot so we're going to continue on with that coming up on today's program we're going to join tom shepstone he's with natural gas now via the bakken barbecue phone lines we've got a fantastic conversation in store for him it is about some people profiting right now trying to profit by using this COVID-19 and the coronavirus through the halls of Congress. It's, uh, I'm not kidding, folks. They are trying to pork belly this stimulus bill. I don't know which side's right or wrong. And I'm not even going to use the word right or wrong because this just gives me the heebie-jeebies to quote my mother, God rest her soul, the heebie-jeebies of what they're trying to do. We got one side trying to throw in some solar and wind farms and other things and then you've got the other side trying to you know give a give a basically a thousand bucks is that what i heard last 1200 okay 15 is what you heard provolone whatever point is it's really not much and kind of it's a backdoor stimulus for the banks because it's just going to go to rent and mortgages but it's just it's all it is instead of giving the direct stimulus to the banks if you give everybody $1,000 so that they can pay their mortgage or they can pay their rent, it is. It's a way to strap a great-grandchildren with a current stimulus for the bank, a bailout. Yeah, that's the way it is. Well, we're going to have Kevin Kramer. Again, it's not right or wrong. I'm just following the money where it ends up. And I, I kind of think that maybe some conversations should be had about maybe putting some freezes on things, maybe stop the bills from coming for a little bit as opposed to you know give somebody a teacup so they can bail water coming out of their their boat i'm not even sure if that analogy works but i know some of you followed along but we're gonna have uh, u.s senator kevin kramer on in just a moment or two he's actually just concluding down at the house so that's why our podcast is a little bit later on And Kevin Kramer is going to be emailing us or sending his people will be sending us uh, his speech because uh, I uh, from what I'm told, it's going to be pretty passionate. And it's also going to be filled with some finger pointing towards the the blue side trying to pork belly this thing. And, you know, and you know what a blue side, if if you want to send something in that the right side is the red side is doing this. okay. Green clovers, if the blue, if the purple horseshoes are doing something, well, you just let the blue sapphires know. And what else is there? Ruby red. No, what do we got? Green clovers, blue diamonds, purple horseshoes. I don't know. I, f- I forget what the political parties are these days. I get mixed up. And in lieu of uh, the headlines and a few other things here, we're going to just, you know, keep the thing moving along today. Our show page is going to be up and running. Provolone. Uh, have you got uh, everything up and running there? Okay, great. So we're going to do that. We're going to keep the show page up and running so that headlines are going to be there. But we're going to bring in Kevin Kramer in, in just a moment and talk with him instead. Uh, listen to his speech that he had on the floor today, uh, which is just concluding. So like I said, as we're doing the podcast right now, Kevin Kramer's people are packaging this thing and sending it over to us. So as soon as we get the email in, we'll we'll hand it off to there. But I did want to take a moment to mention our March Madness tournament is going on right now. And we have we have games. We have videos of the game, video evidence, because some of you people cried out shenanigans early on. Maybe we were rigging a game here and there. That's okay. We can take it. 
And one of them, our math was even wrong. That's what happens when you let the food delivery guy in on the action. That's what happened on uh, Saturday with one of our Saturday's games. No, Sunday's game. That's when it was, Sunday. And uh, we basically were rolling dice. And we've, we've got this, like, uh, uh, cockfight arena set up with all kinds of spectators. And we roll dice. And we, or by we, I'm, I'm me. And we, but, but we turned into actual two people when Sterling... Who ended up living, by the way, he lived on a army base temporary housing oil barracks in Saudi Arabia for like 10, 15, 20 years, I think he said. And so he, he was a well, he was an interesting guy. He was the food delivery guy. We ordered some takeout from a restaurant to give him some business. He came by. I was the last order for a while. So he rolled some dice and he beat the pants off me. He was, he was, he's like a Yahtzee champion. So. So I invite you folks to check out our March Madness, the Crude Life 2020 March Madness Tournament for all the bragging rights this March because we're, we're the only ones doing a tournament. Everybody else is, you know, they canceled because of the coronavirus. Well, ours is an underground tournament. And when you see the videos, the grainy video footage, you'll understand what we're talking about. All right, the email is now in, so Provolone is downloading, and, well, it takes them 30 seconds to download the video. It's a video? Oh, good. We'll put that up online, too. So we're going to have the video of uh, Kevin Kramer's passionate speech. We're going to play the audio here in just a second. Brandon Davis with Swan Energy, he's our daily radio update we do on the podcast. Every day, folks, we do a radio update for 25, 30 radio stations across uh, the region, and we just throw it at the end of the podcast. For us, we just throw it at the end of the podcast, but it's actually one of the first things we do to start our week off are these daily updates because we have deadlines to meet with the radio stations. That is part of the Crude Life Media Network, which the podcast here is part of the Crude Life Media Network, which is available at thecrudelife.com. And when you click on our show page, not only do you have links to the exclusive interviews, we have our daily headlines, Wyoming looking to buy millions of acres of mineral rights, including Colorado and Utah. We mentioned this a few weeks ago that Wyoming's looking to get in the oil business, folks. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but... Someone in the media, I can tell you, my number one competitor in the world of media is not Facebook, is not, is not a radio station, is not a newspaper. No, it's the government. The government is my number one competitor. They wrap buses. They got kids selling sponsorships to billboards in the schools. They've got teachers emailing people to support basketball games and all kinds. You, you wouldn't believe park districts and the government wrapping, like I said, wrapping city buses and advertisements. The average person does not understand how cutthroat the world can be when you're trying to compete with the government out there. It is a playing field that is nowhere near level. And until you actually experience it, you have no idea what I'm talking about, folks. And right now, Wyoming looks to buy millions of acres in mineral rights, including Colorado and Utah. I'd pay attention. I'd pay attention. I mean, good or bad, I'd pay attention. Also, new rules for oil and gas operators amid COVID-19 outbreaks. I took a look. It's coming in from Australia. So you might want to check that out, see what they're doing in Australia for some of the different rules. And the Mars Lander, Shovel Saves the Day for trapped NASA lander. Great story. Basically, uh, this Mars lander broke down on Mars. They finally get it there. Millions of dollars to get it there. The thing breaks down. Some guy like me is sitting in the back saying, why don't we smack it with a hammer? So they grab a shovel and did it. That's the, 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 the Mars rover fixed itself by whacking itself with a shovel. I mean, it's like a, a Wiley Coyote cartoon or something. You can't make it up. But anyway, I did want to mention that our headlines are available. The links are there. We're just not going to get into it. We're going to have U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer on instead as kind of our news segment. So hopefully that will suffice. And if not, well, tough because here at the Crude Life podcast, we are all about esoteric energy. We throw out the scripts. I know sometimes we like to get familiar with things. We like to have a little bit of a routine. But every now and then, just to keep ourselves on our toes, to keep you on our toes, well, keep you on your toes, not on our toes. That would be odd. 
See, that's what we do here. Are you ready to go provolone? Because I can't stall anymore. I'm I'm like officially out of gas here. I'm I'm like putting people's toes on me. So all right. Let's get to U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer, who's just done giving a very passionate speech down about uh, some of the things and the shenanigans happening with the COVID-19 in relation to the energy sector. Provolone, roll the content, please. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, this is a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. Opportunity to fit our vision. Now, Mr. President, that's a quote. Not from some communist activist leader somewhere in the United States. Not from some third world general. No, that's from the third ranking Democrat in the United States House of Representatives. Let that sink in for a minute, Mr. President. Read it again. This is a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. And I thought a bogus impeachment was shameful enough, but clearly not. Mr. President, people in this country are dying. They're dying, literally. People are losing their jobs every day, literally. More and more people are getting sick every day, Mr. President. And that's why senators rushed back here. We rushed back here to pass the House bipartisan legislation that was negotiated between the President and Speaker Pelosi. Then, then we let both sides work on the next steps. We passed that bill within less than 24 hours of receiving it from the House. As imperfect as it was, we passed it with 90 senators voting for it. That's how bipartisanship works, Mr. President. We worked around the clock and to craft a plan, and we succeeded. And now here we sit, listening to our Democratic colleagues pretend this is a partisan plan, as if they weren't sitting in the room as it was being negotiated. Many of their ideas are in this bill. But why are they doing that? Well, I'll tell you why they're doing it. Because when we see a rising body count, they see a political opportunity. Shame on them. The Trump derangement syndrome is accelerating the coronavirus. And they should be ashamed of themselves. They see a chance to impose their vision, their left-wing radical vision on our country because they think they can force it past us during this crisis. Their extreme partisan obstruction has blinded them. What has happened to this place, Mr. President? Why are they even here? Attempts to work across the aisle, honest attempts, attempts by rank-and-file Republicans and rank-and-file Democrats have resulted in our Democratic colleagues creating a revisionist view of what we've been doing and blind political opportunism just to advance their extreme left-wing agenda. An agenda that includes things like the Green New Deal, Something that actually had a vote on the floor of the United States Senate, and guess how many of them voted for it? None. It's that nutty. None. And yet now, that's the agenda. That's their vision. That's the opportunity that they see. How about socialism for the entire economy? As though it wasn't enough just for the energy sector. Not enough just for the healthcare sector. Not enough just for the banking sector. Let's just have socialism. Let's, let's debate which Democratic presidential candidate is the best socialist. How about hurting our farmers, our ranchers, our oil workers, our truck drivers, our restaurant owners, our manufacturers, our welders, everybody? Mr. President, we're not even asking them to vote on this plan. The vote last night was not on the bill. The vote this afternoon was not on the bill. It was simply a vote, a procedural vote, to begin the debate to continue the negotiations on the bill. Not one moment would have been lost, but guess what? Now over a day has been lost while we dither. And we're asking that when they do finally agree to help, that the American, help the American people, that instead of killing the economy as they've been doing, and the jobs, that we're ready to act on the bill. But no, not good enough to, for them. Many of my colleagues have talked about what's in the bill. $4 billion for the Centers for Disease Control. Do you think they could use it? 
How about $9 billion for child nutrition? Do you care, Democrats, about child nutrition? We've often heard you talk about it. Where is it now? How about $20 billion for veterans, Mr. President? They don't care about that? $50 billion for our farmers I spoke about. How about $75 billion for health care providers? Do you think your health care providers could use a little more assistance, Democrats? I think they could. And they need it now. They needed it yesterday. How about $350 billion for the small businesses that employ all those people that are now getting fired because they can't keep their doors open? But that's not even worth the debate to our Democratic colleagues. Oh, no. And apparently, it's all now back open for debate. Reports today say that the minority leader is holding the $50 billion for farmers hostage so they can get more of the opportunity to restructure things to fit their vision. Apparently, the majority leader either forgot or he never knew that food doesn't come from the deli, Mr. Minority Leader. Food comes from the farmer. There's no sandwich in the New York deli without the farmer growing the grain. There's no meat in that sandwich without the rancher raising the livestock. No, they don't make that food in the deli, Minority Leader. And who started all of this? It wasn't him. He was... He tried to be helpful for a while, or at least it appeared so. No, it wasn't him. It wasn't even an uprising of the rank-and-file Democrats that have been filing in occasionally into this chamber. It wasn't even a breakdown in negotiations between Republicans and Democrats. It was the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, flying in here on an airplane powered by fossil fuels. Maybe those fossil fuels were even made by some oil from Alaska or North Dakota or Texas, demanding an expansion of what? The renewable energy tax credits and other parts of our extreme left-wing radical partisan agenda. What in the hell does that have to do with coronavirus? The absurdity of it speaks for itself. That's what we've learned to expect from the majority of our colleagues on the other side of the aisle and the other chamber of Congress. Ever since the freshman Democrat from New York became the de facto Speaker of the House. But that's the House, Mr. President. We're not the House. We're the Senate. We're supposed to be the adults in the room. And yet some of our colleagues are here acting like petulant children when there are people suffering who don't know what to do or where to turn for help. Mr. President, they're turning to us. We're it. We're the help. We're driving the ambulance. All the while the Speaker of the House tries to steer us into the ditch while the minority leader of the Senate hangs on for dear life in the passenger seat. Why would those people come to us for help anymore? The House Speaker doesn't care about them. She cares about renewable fuel tax credits, for crying out loud. Where is rural America supposed to go? The Democratic leader sees them simply as a political pawn. Hostage. $50 billion for farmers. Let's hold that one up. Maybe we could get more of what fits our vision, our radical agenda. Apparently, helping these people doesn't matter to them. Well, I have news for you, Mr. President, and I have news for the minority leader. While Democrats dither, Americans are dying. That's a real fact. Let's get back in here tonight, and let's pass this legislation. Let's get it done and get the money to the people who need it most. And I yield the floor. And that was U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer giving a very passionate speech on the floor today talking about some of the shenanigans, some of the pork belly, some of the COVID-19 shutdown. What's going on? And we do have that available now on the website. Excellent job, Provolone. We have that available at thecrudelife.com if you'd like to go. in the transcript, too, great. We got the tra- well most of the transcript up there if you want to go and check that out as well. All right, folks, we're going to take a brief pause, like a 30-second pause, and then when we come back, We're going to have Tom Shepstone on with Natural Gas Now talking about this exact topic, about how people are using the crisis in order to put some pork belly in there for green energy using. I mean, it's 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 really quite remarkable, folks. The music you're hearing right now is Blind Joe. He's part of our Crude Life crossover where we like to reach out to those who do not work day-to-day in our industry in order to engage, in order to interact and help leverage each other's strengths. Our strength, of course, is our oil and gas audience. It's our platform. Blind Joe's strength is music. 
And by the way, he really is blind. He's, and it's interesting to talk to him about the other senses. You know, like he, he pays a lot of attention to vibrations and room sizes and things like that because he has to get his bearings. And so a lot of his uh, just sensation is, has to do with audio. And is it Blind Joe's fascinating? He was on The Voice, NBC's The Voice. And he was one of Blake Shelton's favorite. He didn't make it to the finals, but I think he made it to the final eight or something like that. But he's just an old soul, real authentic guy, loves his country music. I'm not a country music fan. I believe country music died the day Icky Bricky Heart hit the airwaves. I prefer more of the Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, the Highwaymen, that sort of thing. Didn't really listen to him when I was when I was a kid or well well they were you know around but I can appreciate their style and I can appreciate their authenticity and just their passion and blind Joe brings that so also Josh Swanson with Vogel Law is our sponsor today if you would like to sponsor the crude life we'd appreciate it very much during this time especially but Josh Swanson is our sponsor today Vogel Law Firm is a prestigious law firm serving a wide range of clientele in the Dakotas, Minnesota, and beyond. Their lawyers deliver quality representation and proven results. Vogel Law Firm is one of the oldest continuing law firms in North Dakota with more than 55 attorneys and diverse practices. Josh Swanson, he can deliver from mineral rights to contract disputes to other areas beneficial in the world of oil and gas. For more information, visit their website, vogellaw.com. That's vogellaw.com. And a big thank you to Josh Swanson with Vogel Law. Well, dreams come true, and I know they do, and I can feel the music down in my soul. You better make a little room at the top for a regular Joe. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. I all and jamming for all my friends. That's you, Jason. And you'll hear me say from a mile away that I'm the luckiest man I know. You better make a little room at the top for a regular Joe. Yeah, man, so crank up the sound, turn up the lights, let's get this show on the road. Yeah, you're all going to party tonight with a regular Joe. Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies, the North Dakota Nomad, the Shale Play Prophet. We are coming to you from the Hatch Coaching Studios. Provolone is our entitled intern manning the production elements of the podcast today. This is the voice of the voiceless, and we're about to talk about one of those topics that is very taboo right now. Anybody talking about anything that has to do with green energy that goes against the grain is taboo. Anybody talking about people using the COVID-19 pandemic shutdown as a way to profit is taboo. However, they are conversations being had, so much so we just heard Kevin Kramer talk about it. Now we're going to have Tom Shepstone talk about it because this is a serious problem, folks. This is a serious thing. And the voice of the voiceless, the Crude Life podcast, is here as a platform. In all honesty, they say, if it ain't on the table, you're not at dinner, right? That's what the, something like that, that the oil companies, you know, and they're doing their annual meetings. And if, if, if you're not part of the meeting, if you're not on the table, you ain't, you ain't part of dinner, well, you know what? Everything is on the table right now. Everything. I mean, just last week, one of our guests brought up the very thought of nationalizing oil. I mean, I actually my, it made my skin crawl. But as somebody who understands right now is not a time to knee-jerk react judge, now is a time to put everything on the table to have a discussion because not everything's going to stay. But it needs to be on the table because we need to think outside the box right now. We need to be united. We are energy united. That's what we need to be. We are energy united. And that means no judgment. Everything on the table for discussion. Opinions welcomed. Disagreements okay. And at the end of the day, kumbaya, kumbaya coal. That's how it's going to be in my world. Kumbaya Kumbaya coal, because I don't mind coal. Coal's got a purpose. I use a coal charcoal toothbrush. 
And if that's how we're going to use coal is to purify water and make my teeth whiter, okay, well, that's what we'll do then. It's got a place. Kumbaya, kumbaya coal. All right. Are we ready with Tom Shepstone there, Provolone? Good, good deal. All right, folks, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I am proud to bring in Mr. Tom Shepstone of Natural Gas Now. Can we get a mic level check, please? This is Tom Shepstone from Natural Gas Now. Excellent. Looks like the mic levels look good. Just turn it down a tish. There we go. It should be okay. We don't even need to redo them. That's how confident I am with this. All right. See, that's what a pro does. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, appreciate you joining me. Say, I was on your website uh, the other day, and I noticed that, excuse me here while I do this, renewable energy industry seeks to scam public during health crisis. And that that's a topic that is really one that if they're not talking about it in the halls of Congress, they need to really fast because it's... It's one that's out there, it's real, and it's almost like if anybody brings up anything that goes against the grain, you immediately get publicly shamed by people. So I'm really glad that you kind of have taken this on, at least with Natural Gas Now. Uh, right. Talk to me a little bit about the story. Who's behind it, and was it you? Was it someone else? Just let's let's talk about it. Well, first of all, uh, I wrote, a, I published this post, which is from the American Energy Alliance, and I have a relationship with them. Uh, it's not a monetary relationship, but uh, uh, where they will allow me to uh, use their post. Uh, they're part of the Institute of Energy Research, uh, which actually has three different you know blogs that I, I take material from from time to time. And they're good people and uh, some very knowledgeable people that are close to the ground uh, politically as to what's happening in the energy field. And I saw this, and I and I, I I really couldn't believe it. Though I published this on March 19th, which was what Friday, uh, Thursday, last Thursday. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I I know this stuff goes on, but when you when you see it in writing, that in fact, you know, uh, the House Democrats are trying to use this coronavirus crisis, and and you, we can debate how you know whether it's a crisis or not, or whether the you know, measures are right or wrong, or you know, all those things. There's plenty of opportunity to do all that. But that they're trying to push stuff into this bill at this critical time that has zero, absolutely zero, to do with the supposed crisis or real crisis, depending on your viewpoint. So the, the credits that they're asking for relate to uh, solar and wind energy, which have been on a ride for a long time. And what's been happening is over time, uh, these things were supposed to have been temporary when they were first done, you know, uh, what, 20 years ago and so on. And over time, uh, people have been grown very disenchanted with them, uh, although they still enjoy a certain level of political correctness. And a number of states have tried to limit these kinds of things. The federal government has tried to ratchet it down. Uh, they never, they never seem to simply say, "Time's up. Enough is enough." You know that never happens. It's it's always a very slow ratchet down. But that has been happening. So what's going on now is the Democrats are essentially saying, "This is our opportunity to uh, reward one of our key constituency groups." we will get something big and more permanent on these wind and solar energy uh, tax credits. And, of course, it's a, it's a ripoff of unimaginable proportions. It is, I'm going to say it, this is evil. This is truly evil uh, that these people are trying to do this at this point. I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. So I'm very upset about it. I just want to make sure I'm following this here. Um, are we talking about these, like, tax credits and tax credit extensions that I've been reading about and hearing about and even had a few people interviewed on this platform about uh, like solar and wind. There's like a lot of them do this year, right? Am I following this right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like they're ready to sunset, right? They're ready to, they're ready to expire or whatever the case might be. And so there's a lot of talk that if these, um, if these, what do, you, what do you want to call them, extension, I guess, if these subsidies do not get extended, it's going to make that industry extremely vulnerable. Uh, and now, am, am I following this right? Absolutely. I okay. Mean, the, the whole industry, the renewable energy industry, with a few exceptions. I mean, there's a few things that make sense. Uh, geothermal energy has a place for sure. Um, solar rooftop 
has a place where it's supplemental, you know. Wind has a place where it's it's uh, filling in a gap, you know, that kind of a thing. But on the whole, all these things are gigantic rip-offs. I mean, they do not work unless they get hidden subsidies in the form of, of uh, tax credits and similar types of things. The other one is uh, um, these uh, requirements that you... Um, that you use a certain amount of renewable energy in uh, in a uh, you know an energy portfolio if you're a utility. So uh, there's there's so many ways, and it's all invisible to the consumer, the energy consumer, mostly invisible to the energy consumer. It's in very fine print on the bottom of your of your utility bill that says you're being charged, and and it uses some kind of uh, uh, euphemistic term that you you really don't even know what you're being charged for. So uh, they've been getting away for this for years. Uh, Congress has been, and the states have been trying to ratchet it down. But you know, the Democrats are now trying to uh, ratchet it up in a big way in the middle of a crisis. I mean, they're holding the country hostage essentially. Are they trying to insert these tax extensions? The, I'm sorry, these subsidy extensions uh, into this like these trillion dollar packages that I'm you know seeing floating around that they're trying to pass emergency wise yep. and the, oh oh for real that's where they're trying to insert these things in uh, absolutely absolutely okay. I I, and, I did read your article right then because I I'll be honest when I read that I thought I wasn't reading it right <laughs> yeah, I know it it it's it, it's it's incomprehensible it's uh the the, the legal term for what's going on here is unconscionable. It's unconscionable behavior. And that is a legal term. You can look it up. This, um, this kind of mirrors the uh, 2009 stimulus bill a little bit, doesn't no it? In terms, of, in terms of just throwing it in there? There's no question about it. We know what happened there. We, we, we know that, uh, you know, I, I remember a friend of mine, uh, not a particularly close friend, but a friend uh, was involved uh, on the board of a bank in New Jersey. And, uh, he said to me at the time, we were talking about some railroad stuff that we were mutually interested in, and he said to me, you know, well, we, we didn't need that money, but it was so cheap, we had to take it. <laughs> so that's that's what was going on. I, I couldn't believe he was telling me, you know. They, they took the money. What was it called? It started with a T, I forget. But anyway, the uh, uh, TARP. TARP, TARP money, yeah. TARP. He said, we didn't need that TARP money, but we had to take it. It was just so cheap, we couldn't turn it down. <laughs> so... So this is this is how it works, you know. Are, let, let me ask you this: I'm not. I guess I'm not familiar. I've been, I have not been following this. What I've been following a little bit is how they're starting to frame some of. Uh, I saw the in, in Venice. You know, the, the, you can see fish now, and some dolphins are swimming in the canal, and and where uh -huh. they're they're really starting to frame that. You know, people staying at home. So the satellite images say that. You know. Uh, fr fracking causes deformed children and things like that. You know what I mean? Where they just exaggerate oh, yeah. things. I, I was starting to see the framework of where they were taking just human activity slowing down and spinning it that this is because of fossil fossil fuels not being used. And yeah. and I, I, I get it to some part. I Listen, I've, I've been in Southern California and seen smog. I, I've been around smog and I, I understand human activity and I, I understand all of that different thing. But sure. but at the same time, I do understand when you're not moving boats around in a canal, well, that's going to clear the water up just naturally. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can get some of that stuff too. So, so some of this is a little Al Gore inconvenient truth. Uh, oh yeah, you know, and yeah. and some of it is legit. You know, like I say, there is smog in Southern California yeah. that that was a problem for you know a l uh -huh. little bit, and the industry kind of corrected it and took care of some things. Uh -huh. and, uh, are you following that at all? Just the framework of how they're trying to attack the industry with this? Well, a little bit. I I, I must say that I, I you know I, I I just simply take that stuff for granted anymore that that's going to happen, and and we do have to fight back against it, um, and we have to correct the record. You know, that's all part of what is necessary. It's part of what I do with my blog, but at the same time, I think I think it's more important to. Um, point out what they're doing, you know, which is uh, ripping off the taxpayers and the ratepayers uh, to do this stuff. I mean, so much of what passes for green, what passes for environmentalism, uh, is purely a special interest lobbying for 
uh, government rent. I mean, you know, government rent is what we're, what so many people are after. You know, we 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 need a lot more real capitalism in this country. A real capitalism is cutthroat competition between private entities. It's not ripping off the government for uh, uh, subsidies and and rent, as they say, government rent. And that's what a lot of it's been. And uh, and I don't think we can ever eliminate it entirely from the system, but we can sure control it a heck of a lot better than we have. And we need to we need to expose it. And I so I think uh, the offense. Um, and in this respect, I'm I'm a little bit like Johnny Green. You know, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, point out the absurdities of what's going on here, and uh, rather than playing defense all the time. It's a tough one. It, it's really difficult because, you know, pointing out the absurdity seems to actually connect a little bit more than, than giving somebody verified data. I mean, you give yeah. somebody verified data, and I, I joke, it's like you handed them a turd sandwich or something. Like, they look like, yeah. like they're yeah. disgusted, you know? And well, there's a famous... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, there's a famous book um, it's by a philosopher. Uh, uh, it's called The Pensees by uh, Blake. And uh, uh, he he wrote in that book, and I, uh, when I bought a copy, and actually it was never intended as a book. It was actually a series of of observations that was put together after his uh, premature death uh, and put into a book because they were so good. But he basically said um, that nothing is accomplished by uh, trying to argue, you know, facts or logic. It's the imagination, facts versus imagination. You, if you want to win an argument, you've got to capture the imagination. The imagination is what sells. And I think our side always, when I say our side, people believe in energy, believe in work, you know, all the traditional values. We tend to always try to respond with facts and logic. And we've got to get better at the imagination side of this stuff if we want to win the arguments. You know, we just, uh, we, we just can't keep trying to play this game of throwing out facts and assuming the other side, which is approaching things from a religious perspective, um, uh, semi-religious or pseudo-religious, I should say, uh, perspective, um, you know, facts don't matter. They just don't, they simply don't matter. And logic doesn't matter. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, the true believers. And uh, that's, you know, there's also a book by that name, which uh, gets at this issue too. Well, let me ask you some facts here as one journalist to another, one storyteller to another. And you can wear either hat if you'd like. You can wear both of them if you'd like because there's a <laughs> it's it's like Terry Edom and I always joke about Terry Edom up in Canada. He's a uh, a blogger. He's also a right. writer and he's also an author. And we joke that I don't think anybody knows that those are three different, distinctly different things. But um, <laughs> and it, well, to be a, you know to be an author and a, and a writer are really different, and, and a blogger yep. is completely different. Uh, yep. At any rate, the the reality is 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 COVID nineteen and the coronavirus is currently here, and it has already disrupted the economy. And if the oil and gas industry was was moving along to where it was before, we might have been able to not have these stimulus conversations happening right now. Because let's be honest, you know, the oil and gas industry carried the rest of the country for about five to ten years, really, um, in the last fifteen right. years. It did. I've seen I've seen the stats, right. and it's the only industry that added jobs in the last ten years. The technology uh -huh. industry didn't. The uh, healthcare industry didn't surprisingly with with the, the, the increases they've had. So when, when I look at the oil and gas industry kind of getting beat up a little bit, I'm like you. I'm an old school capitalist to where a guy can come into a community, find a niche, and when the when the economy's not doing as well, he understands that and gives back to his community in any which way he can because he understands the symbiotic relationship that the only reason he's got money is because the community gave him that money. And so it kind of, yeah, it kind of goes back and forth. So the fact is, I mean, Vegas is going to be shut down for another 30 days. And when you look at just what that's going to do to the economy and, you know, uh -huh. you've got restaurants that are shut down. And I always yep. like to, I always like to bring up the first line of defense as the ripple. So people understand a server, they, they need cash money. They need daily cash money in many States. They don't even get minimum wage. That's how much reliant they are in cash. 
So when, right. the, when the server can't pay their rent or mortgage, most times they supplement a mortgage or pay rent. Usually a server can't afford a mortgage by themselves, but maybe they can in some cases. Now, nevertheless, uh, there is going to be not only the server affected and the restaurant owner affected, but now you got the landlord of the server being affected. And so just right yep. there, you've got you know a three ripple without even thinking yep. very hardly. Now, now let's go to the oil and gas industry here to where, boy, this, this, this really impacted the industry in a way that they didn't see coming, in a way that Russia and everything else. What are you hearing from people? What are you seeing in terms of trends and other things happening that maybe the oil industry should pay attention to? Yeah, well, uh, there's no question that it's being affected uh, dramatically. I mean, if I'm looking at the uh, natural gas price right now on my website, we have a little thing that tells you it's a dollar sixty. You know, that's uh, incredibly, incredibly low. You know, everybody was hoping to get it up to uh, four dollars uh, by this time. You know, if we look back a couple of years, so what this has done is it, it, it's it's exaggerated the. Uh, the impact of being in a commodity business. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in a commodity business, you you constantly have to lower your costs. There are very few, if any, opportunities to increase revenue. You constantly have to lower costs. That's the nature. It doesn't matter. I think we've had this conversation before. It doesn't matter whether you're in the dairy business or you're in the steel business or you're in the oil and gas business. You're selling a commodity. And commodities, uh, there are very few opportunities to set your own prices. You are vulnerable to whatever the market is because it's something that everybody needs, and when there's too much of it, the price goes down, and when there's not enough of it, the price goes up a lot. And uh, right now, we've overproduced. I've been doing it for a long time, and as a result, we have a situation where prices are abysmally low, and now here along comes the coronavirus and uh, reduces... uh, just as one example, reduces uh, all the, the driving. I mean, I was talking to somebody from uh, Long Island earlier today, and he was was going into the city. He was driving as he was calling to me to see his very elderly parents, which he's not supposed to do, but he's going to do anyway, uh, because uh, he properly feels that giving them comfort is more important than dealing with their you know threats that are their health, and um, the. Uh, he, he said to me, "The city is like a ghost town." He said, "There's the he says you can drive right through the city, with, you know, with no obstacles whatsoever." So imagine what that means. This is the heartbeat. New York City, like it or not, is the heartbeat of the world in terms of commerce. You know? So, uh, and it's dead. It's absolutely dead at the moment. And so, that, and and that's that. That's any town USA right now, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I went. We, my wife and I, like to eat out on weekends. We usually you know, two or three nights, and uh, um, we went to one of our favorite restaurants. Well, our restaurants are closed here, but they all do takeout. So we went to one of our favorite restaurants, got got takeout on Saturday night. It was very good. And, and But they, when I went there, they said they weren't going to do it anymore. They tried for a few days, and only a few people came, so they were going to shut that down as well. Um, now, fortunately, um, this particular what? business has something else they can do, but but there you go. Let there me you ask go. you this. You, you, you're a smart guy, and you understand capitalism, okay? Uh-huh. And I, I think you and I have maybe even talked about this before, where you know the oil industry is really the last bastion for capitalism. Um, yeah, that's right. You, know, you look at every other industry, they're so subsidized that it's not a free market. And that's that's that, and, and there's I do not feel guilty at all by saying that at all that the oil industry is the last bastion for capitalism. That's really what attracted me to the oil industry. Yeah, and, yeah, I'm and, with you. I'm totally with you. Okay, so when when I see what's going on here, this really concerns me. This really concerns me because um, I I don't want to put a conspiracy hat on. But at the same time, I don't want to ignore some of these factors. That is, I don't know how you can shut an economy down the way they have that is so socialized to begin with to not come back and become even more socialized. And I'm not trying to get into some political yada yada discussion. I'm just trying to figure out that I, I, I don't know what they can come back with except something like that. 
Well, let me let me give you a little source of uh, uh, some hope. Let's put it that way. Please I think, do. I think, <laughs> I think the president's doing a, a good job on this. You know, we can all pick at this or that, but I think he's doing a good job because what he's emphasizing over and over again is uh, the the way he's working this through private industry rather than government. You know, government is obviously playing a huge role, but he's emphasized over and over again that, that look, uh, for example, for the testing, we're not going to continue to rely on this ridiculous government system that, that's antiquated and, and couldn't possibly do it. We're going to go directly to industry. We're going to set up work with private labs and all that kind of stuff. And as a result, I think he's instilling uh, uh, a, a sense that when you really want to get things done, you do need a capitalist economy. And also, um, he is he is uh, cutting all kinds of additional regulation. He was always a big regulation cutter, but now he's an even bigger regulation cutter. And we have even you know liberal governors deciding all of a sudden they don't need to regulate this or that. Uh, they are, you know, everybody's changing their ways. And, uh, uh, and and we may find, for example, just to get off on a totally unrelated topic, we may find cyber schools and school choice and homeschooling and all those things being a lot more popular all of a sudden, don't you think? Um, because of what we see with this. We're know. definitely going to have a hybrid going forward. Um, yep. In fact, I was talking to a couple business people yesterday and you might start seeing office shares instead of timeshares. You might start seeing guys that say, guys and girls, excuse me, a little old school here. Jeez, boy, that's got, got to be careful today's day and age. Um, oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you could, it's back like when Howard Dean made that funny noise and ruined his political career. You know, you get one, <laughs> you, you, you get one second of excitement and, you know, it can be the end of it. But no, I mean, to right. where the, people understand that. Most of the work that you do can be done at home, but there is a yeah, need for right. an office, but there is a need for an yeah. office. And so, you know, like I was talking to a guy yesterday, well, maybe, you know, three different uh, companies go in on an, on an office together. And you know what? Monday, this company gets it. Tuesday, this company gets it. Thursday, you know what I mean? They kind of just... Uh, there's no question. Yeah. And, and to me, I, I see where that's going to be the future. Um, we're going to start doing some things outside the box. We're going to start uh, approaching things a little bit differently. And that's what I mean when I say when we come back in the next, you know, say 90 days when this is all said and done, because when we're doing this interview right now, I just read three more states shut down like the governors came out and shut them down. So, you know, we're far from this. I think this will probably go through midsummer, if not more. And, oh my God! I hope you're wrong. I really hope you're wrong on that. Well, just yeah. just Vegas being 30 days right there. You know, you're talking. You know, into May, yeah. and and that's yeah. and and that's going to take a little bit to bounce back, anyways. Um, well, I think I think this is an area where the president's going to have to give some real leadership and uh, you know and, and and start to make the case logically for why. Uh, things we need to get the economy going and well, we need and, to lift some of these. And, and, and that's so. where I'm a little bit disappointed in the Republicans right now, to be honest, because uh-huh. they, they were the ones that led with this this stimulus package. And oh, I know. I, I agree know. with you. The way Trump's trying to slash some of the regulation and taxes, because what's going on here is at the end of the day, Tom, the, the, there's yep. still the same amount of money on the planet. I mean, it's still circulating around the planet. What we've got to do is we've got to incentivize and get the people to spend it instead of hoarding it, instead of trying to go after them and get their grandkids, kids, kids, kids money. That doesn't make any sense to kick it down when when you can open it up. I see that people don't like me talking like this. They don't like me trying to. I, I would love to see in the next 90 days come back with more of a free market as opposed yeah. to less of a free. I am not hearing anybody talk about opening up the free market. All I'm hearing people do is talk about more control, less less uh, uh, rights and all these. Uh, and I get it. There's, there, there's some serious stuff going on. But if we yeah. take care of it, why not come back with a fresh new market out there? That's how I look at yeah. it. But... Yeah, um, I, anyway, I, I, so I could not agree more, and I just hope and pray the president will take that direction um, and try to uh, try to, to lead in that path. Uh, I, this whole thing, you know, with this these these bills are just uh, it, 
it's the only way Washington seems to know how to work. I was pleased that uh, uh, the head, I can't think of his name at the moment, but the guy who leads the American Petroleum Institute did an interview on one of the financial networks the other night, and uh, he made a very strong, impassioned um, plea that we do rely upon the, the private market, and, and as tough as it is for the, the industry right now, and the industry is going to suffer awfully, uh, they do not believe in handouts. They would prefer we keep a free market approach to this, so that that's the best way to to deliver what the market, what people need, let's put it that way. The market is only a reflection of people. You're, you're referring to... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, well, market the market's just the way that people vote, that's all. So that's... Yeah, I was going to say, and you're referring to Mike Summers, right? The API president? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right, Mike Summers. Uh, by the way, Mike Summers was scheduled to be in this program in May at the Williston Basin Conference. has now been bumped to September, but he will be uh, yeah. a guest on the program. And we did talk oh, about great. we talked about him a few weeks ago when he first came out with that. In fact, he came out with that right away, like before anybody even really had a chance to process it. He came yep. out, and I and I brought this up, and I'd like to know your opinion on this. And I, I'm sorry to keep you so long, but what the heck, That's you right. know? Um, is is this is one of the things where we looked at the oil and gas industry with this big cruise shift, you know, that's going on. 70% of the industry is going to be retired by 2022. But now based on, it might be a little bit later now. By the way, think of all those uh, old retirees that, a lot had a lot of oil stocks and then a lot oh, of the yeah. other stocks that I diversify. I feel really bad for those guys because it's in the tank. Yeah. And uh, anyway, getting back to the, the, the other point at hand here, um, I did notice when Mike Summers came out with that knee jerk reaction. I mean, it was it was so knee jerk. He, re <laughs> he he responded before a lot of other media outlets even had the story. Like yeah. that, that's how knee jerk it was. Like he didn't check with anybody. He's like, no, we, yeah. we like we, 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 we know how the industry responds on this. Oh yes. Oh yes. Well, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, the bailout talks started, started ramping up more and more. Will the oil industry yeah. need a bailout this and that? Well, then all of a sudden yeah. other organizations were saying, didn't you listen to Mike Summers? He said, no, we say no too. And yeah. I, I started thinking going, you know, this is one of those line in the sand moments for the oil and gas industry because if they take a bailout the new generation coming in has changed the oh, industry yeah. forever i really believe oh, that no question yeah no do, question about it do, do you understand what i mean i'm not trying to make this bigger than it is but i think it is that big i do too i i totally agree and 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 you know there's so many people in the industry that want to play ball with the establishment so to speak and uh and it's always refreshing to see somebody that doesn't. And uh, I was thrilled with uh, what he said, and, and uh, I hope we continue to see some more things like that because if, if they do surrender to this, you're right, it's the end of the game because at a certain point what will happen is uh, if they take it now, it, they'll take it away later, you know, after the industry has become dependent upon it. And, of course, we're seeing this with other aspects of the energy industry. The nuclear people have sold out, totally sold out. And I'm not against nuclear energy. Uh, I'm all for it, but but the but I it, it's absolutely revolting how they are scrambling for government subsidies at this point. Totally scrambling. I mean, we're we're living in a corporatist world, you know. And just uh, it's very. What I struggle with is the energy industry really is the last industry for opportunity. And I know I said yep. I said capitalism before, and and I and I mean that, but I also mean opportunity. And what I mean is. You take a look at the technology sector and even go back to Apple Computer. They, uh -huh. they, they actually, I think it was Hewlett Packard passed on it because they yep. were under contract because Steve Wozniak yep. worked part-time for Hewlett Packard. And, uh -huh. and so the technology industry owns you. And in the yep. agriculture industry, as soon as Monsanto took over that industry, they, they owned all the patents and everything else. And same thing in the yeah. entertainment industry. That's been completely uh, yep. Hollywoodized. The energy industry is the only industry that I know of where a guy who works for an oil company can figure out a new vibrating tube that saves the company money. Yep. And next thing you know, a month later, he's a president of his own company and he's got three big clients and he can, I mean, yeah. that, I don't know any other industry that still allows that. I, I, boy, that's, those are great examples. And I, I would just, again, to give you some more hope, I mean, uh, 
I started buying, I never bought, I had a Ford vehicle in my life until Ford refused to take the auto bailout, okay? Now, I'm sure they get some help with other, you know, other ways indirectly, but they refused to take the auto bailout. I made up my mind at that time, as much as I love my neighbor who owns a Dodge dealership, I was not going to. I was not going to buy another one. I was going to buy a Ford, and I bought three of them since. So uh, uh, I believe people do want uh, the the independence and the less reliance upon government when they really think about it. Um, and I would point out one other thing, and then I probably need to cut this short. But uh, but the on my blog today, I have a post. It's not getting as much attention as I hope, but I did a post on oil and gas music. Now, what does this have to do with, with what we're talking about? It has everything to do because you just talked about the guy who works for a uh, oil company or a gas company, and uh, you know he may start out at the, on the ground level, and then he works his way up to be president. And there's a certain culture to this industry, which is reflected in the music, and it's kind of it's kind of hardcore, independent, scrappy. Um, and uh, you might enjoy it. Take a look at it, and uh, you'll see some examples of, uh, you know, Johnny Cash singing Roughneck and uh, Waylon Jennings uh, singing background to a, a, an outstanding video about the oil industry. No kidding. Um, and, yeah, and I think I think these the culture is what attracted you. And you started off the, the, our talk today about the culture attracted you, and the culture is what attracts me to this industry. It's like, get your hands dirty, yeah. Get, get rid of the pretense, you know. Just get something done, you know. And if you got a problem, figure it out. Go around it. <laughs> you know, so. That's why we, we, in fact, the original name of the show was Living the Crude Life uh, 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, because it, it's a whole different way of life, you know. And we yeah. used to joke that until you can make a million-dollar decision on two hours of sleep with a seatbelt in in, wedged in your back while take, getting a nap behind Walmart, you haven't lived the crude life, you know, that type of thing. But, <laughs> So, it, how, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, how can people support your cause? I know that, uh, you know, the, the, now's a good time for people to go check out your website. A lot more people working yeah. from home. They got furloughs. Yeah, check out naturalgasnow.org, naturalgasnow.org. And if you like what you see there, uh, sign up as a supporter. It's only 99 cents a month. There you go. This morning, really cheap. To listen to the full-length interview, visit thecrudelife.com. But now I'm back at the bar again, hanging out with all my rowdy friends, getting drunk and singing redneck songs. I'll probably stay here, baby, all night long. Pour me a beer and a shot The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Cold whiskey glass. Hanging out with friends and having a blast. My mom and dad think it's a waste of time. Not anymore. Drinking beer and riding redneck rhymes. I think I'll do it just as long as I can. That's why I'm back at the bar again. That's going to do it for today's The Crude Life Podcast. I'd like to thank Tom Shepstone for coming on and talking about some of the important issues dealing with the energy world, the coronavirus shutdown, and the future of subsidies when it comes to wind, solar, other green projects. Thank you, Tom Shepstone, naturalgasnow.org. Remember, it's a .org there, folks. You like that dramatic pause, naturalgasnow.org. Maybe I should put the pause on the naturalgasnow.org. See, it's just... I. Anyway, just we have the links available at the website. U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer, thank you very much for sending us your passionate floor speech this evening. And we also have one from Senator Hoven now coming in, too. Good. Let's get that on the website as well. So we've got a lot for you, folks. We've got March Madness, where it's just some of the best darn games you'll ever see in your life. So we got March Madness going on. We've got the COVID-19 shutdown we're following. Also, if you have a business and you're open and you'd like to broadcast that, we are now opening up our platform to you. 
So three to five to 10 minutes, come on, let people know you're open and we'll, no service charges, no fees, no hidden, nothing, just our way of helping out. Just, it's our way. You know what? For three to 10 minutes, we can put you in the podcast. We can help out. If that's how it's going to work, great. You know, we even get you in the radio platform. Who knows? All kind. Maybe, maybe Google News picks it up too. Lots of things could happen. The important part is just letting people know you're open. Because everybody assumes everybody's just kind of shutting down. They're just waiting for the government to do it, I guess. I don't know. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. All right, that's going to do it for me. Josh Swanson with Vogel Law. Thank you very much for being today's sponsor. Josh Swanson with Vogel Law. He can help you with client dispute, minerals, a variety of different areas of legal help in the oil and gas sector. He's been doing it in the Bakken as well as other shale plays across the united states josh swanson with vogel law firm thank you very much for being a sponsor on today's program if you'd like to sponsor the crude life shoot me an email jason at the would be glad to get you some information i'd like to thank hatch coaching for being our studio sponsor and in just a moment or two our bakken barbecue phone lines we are going to have brandon davis on from Swan Energy with our daily radio update on this podcast. Provolone, excellent job today. Boy, you've been juggling a lot of activities here today. You're living the crude life, man. You're, you're doing all kinds of work for like no money. It's, you're living the crude life. All right. From the staff here at the Crude Life Podcast, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Brandon Davis of Swan Energy about the impacts of the coronavirus in the energy industry. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with Brandon Davis with Swan Energy, right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. There really isn't a plan, and I'm going to say that half-heartedly, um, now, obviously, we're planning to continue things as, as normal, but uh, the calm about me is, is not so much in that I know what's going to happen and I know what to do. It's that I know I can't control what's coming at me right now, um, and it's coming from many angles, from the oil price continuing to just plunge to like just generally people just not being able to go to work because the government's telling them not to. Um, I'm just... I'm sitting back and watching and waiting for an opportunity because at some point there will be something I can control that will make a difference. Um, at, at this point, it's literally just kind of let it all come at you and, and you know don't don't react too quickly and and your opportunity will present itself and that is true for all my businesses and I have an operating gold mine in uh, Oregon. I have the trucking company in Oklahoma. We have non-operated working interest in wells um, in. Uh, Colorado and in Oklahoma, and uh, we have a little field we operate here in Texas through a company called Oak Energy that I have. But you know, all of it's just kind of hanging out um, and waiting for an opportunity. And when we see it, we're going to pounce, and uh, that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let it take advantage of me. You you have a gold mine. <laughs> that's cool. Yes, and it, it's a, it costs a fortune to keep. I'm just going to say. <laughs> Anyway. Mine's for sale if you if you have any takers. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, it does it does have has plenty of gold. Talk to me about over the next few years. What what are your guys you know plans as you see it? Yeah, well, the best laid plans change and change often, and that's what we're in the process of doing right now. Um, you have to be in the market, and the market changes constantly in our business. So you constantly have to be have you have your head on a swivel and be looking for where to be, um, whether that's in more gas or oil or uh, service side of work or, or get back to drilling wells. And, and I, I feel that with where things are right now, most of our focus is going to be on production and, and increasing production, lowering costs, and getting more out of what we've got um, than developing new uh, production. To listen to the full-length interview with Brandon Davis with Swan Energy or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Keep up to date with industry news, exclusive interviews, and a podcast heard every Monday through Thursday with a weekend review. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. 
The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. If you don't hear a fiddle or a steel guitar, a hillbilly singing by the honky tonk bar, the bass ain't banging and the vocals are rough, brother, it ain't country enough. If it don't tug at your heartstrings and tear at your soul, get you up and dancing, go night control. You hear it on the radio and don't turn it up, brother, it ain't country enough. If you can't move to it, groove to it, up and slam some booze to it, party to it all night long. If it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. I'd like them real cool old school bar stool jams. I'm drinking line laughter and love. So if your feet ain't stomping once a band starts a rockin', then brother, it ain't country enough. If you hear it and it ain't stuck in your head all day It's got a pop backbeat and it's sung the wrong way Charlie Daniels wouldn't dig it, man, Hank Jr.'d say it sucks Brother, it ain't country enough If instead of using English, you use foreign words Win a competition that you didn't deserve Some furco-wearing wannabes producing your stuff Brother, you ain't country enough if you can't move to it, groove to it, up and slam some boots to it, party to it all night long. If it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. I'd like them real cool old school bar stool times, about drinking, lying, laughter, and love. So if your feet ain't stomping once a band starts rocking, brother, it ain't country enough. Yeah, if your feet ain't jumping once a band starts rocking, brother, it ain't country It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, there's a world changer down the street and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.